Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. What's up, faithful? El Sacco and Zane Nackby here for the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. And the season's over, but I know, like most 49er fans, I want more. It, it's tough for this season to end because the team's playing so well. They won their last five games, and you see a team that, to me, can beat a lot of the teams that are in the playoffs right now. And for it to end right now, you know, it, it's tough to take because of where this team's headed. But Zane, this is going to be an exciting offseason, isn't it? I feel like the season is just beginning, Al. I feel like the the season of Garoppolo this offseason, it, it, it's just starting. And I haven't been this excited for an offseason and in a, in a subsequent season since Jim Harbaugh was here, which, which was four years ago. So it, it just there's a different energy around this team now. There's a different vibe around this team. And everybody feels it, including the players. And, and they're all excited that you, you hear these players talking about how next year they're going to be they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Carlos Hyde is super excited after the game, and, and he, if he's on the team, we'll see. But he was talking about 49ers being a Super Bowl contender, which is a stretch. But I, I, in my heart of hearts, I really feel like this is going to be a playoff contending team. Maybe not a playoff team, but if you put some of these pieces in the right place and everybody stays healthy, Al, you know, the sky's the limit for them. And this is such an important offseason because do I think the 49ers can be a playoff team next year? Yeah, absolutely. I do. But what they do this off season is going to determine whether or not that they can actually take that next step. Can they really be a Super Bowl contender? Can they bring in the pieces that they need? The pass rusher, another cornerback or two, uh, another explosive player on offense to bring in those pieces to take them to the next level. And, it, and it's going to be really interesting to see. And, and I can't wait to kind of go on this journey with this show um, with the fans this offseason to talk about it, all, all this. It's, it's going to be really exciting. And we're getting into that, and we're going to get into just some takeaways we had here and there from the season, um, you know, and, and, and what we're looking forward to this offseason as well. But before we do that, I actually had a chance to hop on the phone with um, Kyle Brandt, who's one of the hosts of Good Morning Football, which for me, it's one of my favorite shows. I absolutely love Good Morning Football. And I mentioned to Kyle on the call that, you know, I used to wake up and I used to turn on Sports Center, and now I don't do that. I, I get up and I turn on Good Morning Football. So it was really great to talk to him. And I did have to do the interview over the phone because we were having a storm of biblical proportions on the East Coast. Did you see that saying how nasty it is here? Oh, it, I've been hearing about it. And uh, I mean, we didn't escape n- n- Mother Nature on the West Coast here. We actually had an earthquake last six- night. Oh, I did see that. I was going to say, okay, what is it, 65 degrees there? You guys are <laughs> no, Well, I mean, it was, it was a very nice day, a typical <laughs> California day here, but. We had a, we had a, a little shaker at, at three a.m., but uh, nothing nothing crazy. So feels like both coasts are getting hammered. What they, what do they call that? It's some sort of cyclone cyclone bomb or something like that, or bomb yeah, cyclone, like a Sharknado movie or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like some, some college crazy. like frat boy was just like you know naming stuff, and he's like, "Hey, Weather Network, call it this," and they were like, "All right." Cool. <laughs> but the wind chill is like supposed to be negative thirty here this weekend, so it's going to get ugly. But oh boy, yeah. So enjoy the weather out out, out there on the coast, but. Anyway, yeah, so it was. I had to do a phone interview um, with Kyle because of the weather because we, we had some connection issues um, with the podcast. But still, it was a great interview. Kyle was awesome, high energy, had a lot of good things to say um, about the 49ers and some behind-the-scenes stuff about good morning football. So I think the fans are really going to enjoy it, and here's Kyle. We are very pleased to welcome to the show Kyle Brandt, who's a host of NFL Network's Good Morning Football, which airs Monday through Friday 
from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. Pacific and re-airs 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Brandt. Kyle, thanks for the time. Hey, guys. Uh, anything at all for you guys? I, I just, you know, there's all this discussion right now if uh, Carol Owen should be in the Hall of Fame, and I think it's burying the lead. Is it time to put Garoppolo in finally? Can we just get him in? It's been, it's been what has it been, five, six games? What are we waiting for? I'm tired of waiting. Let's get him in now. Get him the gold jacket right away. He, he deserves get it. Get it in. Best, I mean, he's probably like a nice, play. slender, 40 long. He'll probably look just a GQ in it and all perfect in that gold jacket. I'm ready for it. I want to hear a speech. I want it to be this August in a can, if not this weekend. Let's do it. What are we waiting for? That sounds like a good segment for Good Morning Football for you guys. You could actually do the, hey, like guys, you should just put in the Hall of Fame right now. You know what I mean? You know what? I, I do, I'm, and I'm glad you bring that up because we have, oh, I don't know, how, long, how much longer is the football season? About a month? And then after yeah. that? I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about for the next six months. So any ideas you guys have, because we stay on. People are always like, oh, do you guys go off during the off season? No, no, no. We, we still do three hours live a day, five days a week. And let me tell you something, you've never lived until you get up in the morning and, uh, I don't know, talk about the owner's meetings or best available free agent. It is, it is uh, I'm telling you, it, it, it's not as fun as it looks. And, and I do want to get some of the stuff about the show because I, I do love the show. But before we do that, I, I, your career path is so interesting to me because <laughs> the last 20 years of your life, I feel like you've done more than most people do in like two lifetimes. And for those who might not know, you were starting running back at Princeton. You were a cast member on The Real World. You were an actor on Days of Our Lives. And then you got into the world of sports media on The Jim Rome Show and now on The Good Morning Football. I know it's a lot to take us through, but <laughs> I'd love to hear it all. Can you tell us sort of how you went from reality star to actor to sports media? It's an acid trip, isn't it? It really is. It is like a <laughs> full-on Hunter S. Thompson fear and loathing in real world and days of our lives. It's, it's weird, man. I, You know, I always like... I, you sit there and you start, uh, you know, you start a Twitter profile, whenever it was. They try to think of, you know, a clever little bio to write or whatever you're going to write. A little joke or something pithy. And mine says my resume is weirder than yours. Not better. <laughs> not, not, definitely not better, but definitely weirder. And I've had people come in on Twitter and challenge me. Be like, no, hold on a second. You know, I was once uh, uh, an EMT worker and then I worked as a Chippendale and now I'm, uh, I do birthday parties for kids or whatever. And I've taken them all on and sent them all away. Uh, and it's just getting weirder. How can I sum it up? Um, okay. So yeah, Princeton football was just a cool thing. Uh, super fortunate to do that. I got to play with some, uh, like, uh, with and against a bunch of, uh, future NFL guys. Um, got to play in the Meadowlands stadium back when it had AstroTurf and, burned half the skin on my body off. Then um, senior year in college, when uh, you have very little to do and you're kind of just sitting around day drinking most of the time, MTV came and did an open call to campus. And they said, anybody want to be in the real world? Come on by. Now, this is a different era, man. And I, I don't know how old you guys are, but in 2001, like the real world was a huge thing. I mean, it was, it was like everybody in every dorm room or frat house watched it. Yeah. There was no term reality show. This is all pre survivor, pre all that stuff. So my friends and I are like, Oh my God, the real world's here. I mean, I watched Ruthie jump in the pool naked. I watched Steven slap Irene in Seattle. I mean, we would watch that stuff. So we get halfway in the bag and we go to this open call, kind of just to laughs. And then they end up liking me and they cast me and they said, would you like to do it? And it happened to be in my hometown of Chicago, just purely by coincidence. I said, shoot, yeah, let's do it. And so I got my diploma. And then uh, in like three weeks later, I did uh, my first foray into the confessional booth in the real world house in Chicago. So it got, and that was just getting, and then it was just starting to get weird. 
I do that for four months, moved to LA. I'd always wanted to be an actor. I was like a, a theater guy slash football guy in college, did plays and all that stuff. And I would finish my, uh, I'd do like the spring football game and then run up campus and do, uh, you know, 12th night or whatever the hell I was doing. So I moved to LA. I auditioned for probably a year. Um, in that time, I booked one right guard commercial. It's a, it's a, it, some people even remember it was a right guard commercial starring Jim Brewer, the comic, and the big unit, Randy Johnson. And it was such a cool commercial to be in, and it's still on YouTube. So I booked that, I'm like, this is great, I've made it now. And then the next week, edition for Days of Our Lives, I get that job. Are you guys, are you guys keeping up? Do I need to stop? Do I need to, do I need to... Uh, no, you're stop, doing great, man. I'm, I'm all into it. Okay. Keep going. You know, you know how, like, when people run marathons, there's those little tables of, like, where they hand them cups of water and stuff and encouragement? <laughs> I'm now having one of those cups of water just to hydrate. All right, so I do Days of Our Lives. For three and a half years, my character was Philip Kariakis. Uh, I'm not making this up. I was, my character was a Marine who loses his leg at war, loses his leg in a landmine, only to come back and become a NASCAR driver with one leg. I still don't know how it was possible, but I, I pulled it <laughs> off. My father on the show was Victor Kariakis, who was played by the real-life actor John Aniston, who was the father of Jennifer Aniston. So I remember having this whole plan when I met him. I'm like, okay, so... This is when Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt were like the Hollywood couple and they're married. I'm like, I'm going to befriend John Aniston. He's going to invite me to his house for Thanksgiving. I'm going to have Thanksgiving with Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. We're going to take over Hollywood. And I never got the invite. And like six months later, I was off the show and looking for work. Um, and that's when Jim Rome comes in. Okay, are we keeping up? Jim, then Jim Rome, that guy from California with the goatee and the strong takes and all that stuff. He, I had, I had been writing a blog, okay? I, back then, it was cool to do that. Maybe it still is. But for me at the time, I had like a blog. Basically, it was like a diary on the internet. I'd write about sports sometimes. One morning, I got up as an unemployed act that I was at like 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. I slept in my robe. And uh, I go over to my BlackBerry Curve, and I see an email that I got. And it was from Jim Rome out of nowhere. I used to watch Rome is Burning every day. And I used to be into that stuff, right. the jungle, all that. You guys are in California. I'm sure you know. And he was like, you know, I've someone turned me on to your writing and are you interested in joining our team? And I was like, what kind of Nigerian prince email is this? Like, what, what is this? This is actually the real Jim Rome. It was. I interviewed with him. I ended up getting the job. Uh, I moved to Orange County. And eight and a half years later, uh, being his executive producer and running the show in the jungle and the smack off and all that, I ended up getting an offer to move to New York City to do a show called Good Morning Football. 15 months after that, I get invited to come on the uh, 49ers podcast, and that's the end of the story. <laughs> and, and there we go. And you, <laughs> but you guys, you guys do a great job. You know, I used to wake up in the morning and, and put on Sports Center, and now I, I get up and I put on Good Morning Football. You guys do such a great job. And the show, the main reason is the show is fun on so many levels. And I'm curious how some of the ideas for segments come together. Is that something that you, Peter, Kay, and Nate have a lot of say in, or is it something that the producers kind of tell you guys, here's what we're going to do? How does that work? That's a really good question um, because we have so many segments, man. It's, it's three hours live, and that breaks down into roughly, I don't know what it is, like 21 segments a day. And, uh, we hate just doing like, okay, um, we're coming down the stretch here in the NFL season. The Jaguars, are they pretenders or contender? I hate that stuff. And like, right. you know, there's a lot of shows that do that. I'm sure there's a lot of audience for that. We just, I, I can't stand it. I, 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 and Schrager has a really good uh, radar for that stuff where he hates it too. So whenever we start to feel we're doing something really corny like that, try to come up with something creative. Now, look, we've done tons of segments like that, but 
every single day before, during, and after the show, we're like, what can we do that's just fun? You know, we, we always come back to that word, fun, because, I don't know, it, it's the four of us have that thing in common where we just, we don't want to sit there and, like, just beat you over the head with X's and O's. We don't want to make everything a social issue. We don't want to talk politics. And Chris Collinsworth came on our show once about a, maybe, I don't know, nine months into our run that we've been on. And he just said, you know, with everything going on and all that, he's like, I watch your show and I'm reminded that football should be fun, you know? And that's, that's became kind of the unofficial uh, mantra of Good Morning Football. Football should be fun. But you guys, I just, when I watch those shows, if I go to the gym or something, or if I'm at a bar and I look up and I see these shows, there's so many sports shows and it, it, it seems to be almost like people, I look at the talent and the hosts and they're really talented people, but so often I look at them, they, they just look like they're angry. Like they're not having any fun. You know, this is, here we are now, we're going into wild card weekend. This is a great fun time and everybody's screaming at each other and, and defensive and you said this and you said that. I can't stand it. I, I like watching uh, Julio Jones make diving catches and Mark Ingram run over people. It's fun. So, that's what we try to do every day. And in answer to your question, all the time we come up with our own segments. Like, I don't mean 100% of the time. I mean, it happens every day. You know, Nate will say, maybe we should try a segment like this. And Peter will say, I, I this. And Kay. And then other times we have really good staff people who are like, you know, we envisioned, Kyle, you should be up at the big screen writing about this play that happened. It's, it's we sit in a room and we like do everything short of throwing a ball around to try to come up with the segments. Because like I said, there's so many of them that. And what's an, what's an average day like for you working on the show? I mean, what, in terms of time you get in, meetings, would it take us through kind of an average sure. day for you? Yeah, I, I get up at 4 o'clock um, every day, which it seems like a punch in the face, but I've done it for over a decade because I used to do it for Rome. And um, you, you drive into the city, and you get there, and the first meeting is at 5 a.m., I have a really weird ritual at the risk of getting too personal. I have like, I shower at work and it's such a funny, like I'm, this is pulling the curtain back, such a funny inside joke between us at Good Morning Football because I'm the only person who does that. Everyone else, like a normal person, gets up in their home and showers and comes to work. I have found this bathroom slash dressing room in the CBS Broadcast Center, which is this massive catacomb of history and it goes back, it's a historical landmark. So, I get it and I have my like little like freshman year in college shower caddy with my loofah and my shower shoes, and I shower. It, it, this I'm telling you, this building is so old. It's probably the same shower that like Hugh Downs and Andy Rooney <laughs> used, and for all I know, uh, James Brown uses it on the weekends. I, I don't know. So I get in, I shower at 4:30. I'm sitting in the shower and I'm thinking, oh, all right, what the hell am I going to say about the Steelers today? And uh, what did the Broncos do? So I go through that process. Then we have a 5 a.m. meeting where we're all just, we look like corpses and uh, it's a little rough. And then we like go back to our dressing rooms, get dressed. And then we hit the uh, stage, man, at about 6.45 under the lights and makeup. And we have the caffeine and 7 a.m. It goes live. It's not, you know, it's not a tape show. There's no tape segments. Um, Every single thing we do is live theater. So you have to really be ready and you have to really be smart. I, I still say all the time, I can't believe we've done like 350 shows. I can't believe that I haven't like sworn on the show or said something to get us suspended. I, and I feel like it will happen at some point. And so when it does, yeah, you guys play this clip back of me saying, I can't believe it's happened and I'll retweet it because I think it will happen. (laughs) Getting out of the 49ers, I know you're a big Ruben Foster fan. What did you see from him in his his rookie season? And what do you think the future holds for him? All right. Well, let me go back further. I remember, I mean, 
I remember watching him in that last championship game, you know, the Sean Watson game. And Watson gets all the headlines for that game, and he should because he won, but Foster was a maniac. I, I, I don't remember the stats, but I think – I honestly, I think he had like 18 tackles in the game. It, it might be, it's like a ridiculous, if it's not 18, it's 15, it's some stupid number. And then we go through the whole like um, draft buildup, you know, the spring. And this is what I was talking about. Like there's, we don't have a lot to talk about in the off season. So it, we like dissect every little bit of minutia about every player. And every time you talk about like, um, oh, Mitchell Trubisky, like someone in the production booth cues up the Mitchell Trubisky highlight reel, you know, and it's like the same five plays or if it's Pat Mahomes, same six throws. Every time that Foster would come up, the plays that they would run from him at Alabama were so comical. It was like almost like Ren and Stimpy like violence, like his hits. You know what I mean? And it was so funny to me that. And then this, this other guy who works on the network, Daniel Jeremiah, who's an incredible draft analyst, he was talking over Ruben Foster's highlights once, and he says, when you watch him, there's a lot of splatter plays. And I was like, Bladder plays. That's exactly what it is. It feels like when he hits someone that there's like a like a June bug against the windshield of a truck. You know what I mean? Like yep, it, yep. you can almost see the juice come out. So then I started calling him Captain Splatter because of that, and that just kind of stuck on our show. He became Captain Splatter, and um, then Peter Schrager worked one of the Niners games, and he went to the facility and he recorded a video of Ruben Foster saying, "Hey, what's up, Kyle? It's Captain Splatter," and like it just it was incredible. Um, and then I have someone, there's a Niners fan who tweeted me, he may have a custom Jersey made with 56 and splatter on the back. So he, he, Ruben Foster for me took on this whole, like, um, sort of evil Dr. Doom superhero thing, which I absolutely love. And, you know, I mean, you guys remember better than anybody during the, the draft build up in the combine, it, it wasn't exactly the smoothest road for him. You know, uh, right. I mean, this, you know, there's the whole thing with the medical thing and then the other thing. and and then Jed York came on our show, and uh, he came in the studio. And he sat down at the table with us, and he was he was really cool. And we had a great time with him. We talked, you know, movie football players, and obviously all about the Niners. And I was the one who was dubbed uh, worthy to ask the question. I, I, I guess not worthy, but I was like the victim. The sacrificial lamb asked the question. Right? I had to be like, so look, Jed, you know, Mister York, there was some red flags about Reuben Foster, and like you could tell he didn't like the question or didn't like the term because it was the only time in the interview he had a little bit of an edge in his voice. And I get it because he had just drafted this player and he's like, no, look, we looked into everything. The second we met with Ruben, he was an incredible person, lit up the room. And what everybody says about him, he's got this amazingly contagious laugh and smile and everything. So in answer to your original question, what I think of his rookie year, it was like, um, I feel like it was kind of like a teaser trailer, you know, like when they, the Star Wars movie is coming out. They just show you like a little bit and you're like, damn, it's kind of frustrating. Like I want to see more, you know, I want to see the chase scene. And a lot of that was just because he was injured a lot. But I think uh, even when, when you guys were losing and losing and losing, he was still playing. He was still playing well. He was still making tackles and there was no pub on it at all because the Niners were so bad and there was nothing standing out about the defense, but I would watch and I would watch, go back and watch him because he was my guy. And I like kind of vouch for him as a player. And I think he had a great rookie year. He just, I just needed to be out there on the field more, man. Yeah. And, and we're excited about him here too. I think he's, he's got a big future. And as far as Jed, I mean, he took a lot of heat here for three years. So maybe he was just still kind of on edge from, yeah. <laughs> from what he got in the Bay area. But, um, 
Now, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and he just he just turns this team around. And you guys have talked on the show about the 49ers hype train and it's about to take off this offseason. And we've seen what happens sometimes with media darlings like the Bucks this year. They were the media darlings and they had a tough season. So should we be all in on the 49ers in 2018 or or should we take a wait and see approach here? I mean, come on. What am I going to say? Wait and see? Hell no. You guys (laughs) go and be excited. It's a funny thing because. I wish one of the jokes that we've talked about on the show is like, all right, so there's these playoff games this weekend and you know, they'll probably be great. I mean, Bill's Jags is a little weird. I don't know how good it'll be, but if there was any game, you know, you know how the, the, uh, Roger Goodell has like a power to like flex the schedule into prime time and stuff. I but wish yeah, that yeah. he had power to flex us one more game because I would love to see this weekend 49ers Chargers. Like, that's the game that I want at San Francisco, LA, and neither of the teams are in. But I, don't, I think that they're also right now, if, if you were to just like, uh, I don't know, this is one of those cheesy segments we generally don't do. Is like, if you were to power rank the teams in the NFL right now, not based on standings, based purely on how they're on their power, I think the Niners and the Chargers would be top 10 teams in the NFL. I truly believe Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yep. So, I wish, man, I wish it could be on pay-per-view or some other network or something where we just had the Niners and the Chargers play because I'd love them in so badly. But that note, man, of course you should be so excited, you know? It'd be one thing if Garoppolo came in and won a few games. And, oh, that's a nice story. He'll be the guy moving forward for sure. But the fact that he just he, he ended the season perfectly and that <laughs> he hasn't lost a game yet, I can tell you one thing for sure. I don't care what Strager said about the hype train not getting on it. We were going to talk so much Niners in the offseason. I mean, <laughs> truly, the comparison that we had was like, a, you know, he was describing the hype train and how many people are on it. And like, sometimes you'll see those pictures online of, of a train in like a, a foreign country across the world. And there's like 6,000 people on top of it and hanging off the back of it. And like the train is going to keel over. Like someone's going to run into the power lines or so many people standing on top of the train. That is the Garoppolo Express. So of course you should be that excited, man, because, Look, he barely got his feet wet with the offense and with the coach, and he was still so good. Shanahan's still fitting in. They'll get better players in the draft. It, there's no way. There's nowhere to go but up. I mean, everything right that he did at the end of the season, it, that, it was just gravy. I mean, if he just came in and looked okay and maybe won a couple games, I think you guys would take that, you know? But instead, it was like he became the story of the league. So, yes, don't pump the brakes at the gas. Hit the gas on the 49ers hype train, coming straight from Kyle yeah, Brown. Man, All right, what so, the hell? <laughs> well, we're looking forward to um, hearing you guys talk about it in Good Morning Football this offseason for sure, man. Really appreciate the time today, Kyle. Anytime. You guys, seriously, I, I, I think it's awesome what the, what the team is doing. And I, I'm, I'm obviously, like, I, I grew up sort of idolizing John Lynch. And um, I got to go. I was at the first ever game played at Levi Stadium. So, like, uh, I mean, I was Joe Montana for uh, Halloween when I was, like, Ten. So anything, uh, I have a lot of love and respect for the 49ers and anything connected to them. And I know you guys do a really professional job there with this podcast. So this is completely uh, an honor to come on anytime. Awesome, man. And we'll definitely have you back sometime. Thank you, Kyle. Take care, guys. And thank you to Kyle Brandt, KB, for, for joining us. And Al, I remember when he was, he was on the Jim Rome show for a little bit. And mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that. And I, I listened to Jim Rome on my, on my morning commutes way back in the day. And Kyle Brandt was there. So Always, always love hearing from him. Love Good Morning Football and and uh, all those guys, Peter Schrager, Kay Adams, all 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 of, they're all great. 
Yeah, it was it was really cool to talk to him because I'm not just saying that I I love Good Morning Football. I think it's so great. And Kyle brought up in the interview, you know, you, you turn on a lot of sports talk now, and there's just guys yelling at each other, you know. And and for me, a lot of those shows, and I'm not a fan of really what ESPN is putting out right now. And it's, for me, Good Morning Football is just a breath of fresh air, and I'm I'm a huge fan of it. It was it was huge to be able to get him on, on the show. And who knows, maybe we'll have some more of those people on the show. Who knows as the off season goes on. Um, we're developing a really good relationship with NFL Network, and they've been great to us. So um, I don't want to make any promises, but I don't think it would be an upset to say that um, we're going to have some more NFL Network people on the show for sure. Um, they've been absolutely fantastic to work with. So, all right, Zane, one thing I wanted to bring up um, is, is we're going to kind of do just sort of hit on some things that we think were important this season and, and not quite an, a season review show, but just just talk about a few things that, that, we, that caught our attention. And the first thing I want to talk about is how well George Kittle did for a rookie tight end. And we had 515 mm-hmm. yards this year, okay? And you put that into perspective, Vernon Davis didn't have over 515 yards until his fourth season in San Francisco. And Vernon Davis only had, let's see here, uh, five seasons in San Francisco where he had over 515 yards. And Vernon Davis was an outstanding tight end for this team. Um, he did a lot of great things. And I'm not comparing George Kittle to Vernon Davis by any stretch of the imagination. But what I'm saying is that Kittle put up production in a rookie season at a position that's really hard to put a production in a position that's hard to put up production for a rookie. Um, and you saw that this year where he had the second most yard out of Evan Ingram. And that's a huge, huge sign for the 49ers because they drafted him in the fifth round, hoping that he could be an answer at the position. And it looks like he, he definitely will be. And that really stuck out to me. And he, and that's all you're really looking for out of a rookie, especially a fifth rounder like Kittle is that he can show some consistency, and he did that. And I think next year you're going to see him take off. It seems like once Jimmy Garoppolo got into the starting lineup, he was really much more of a threat, and especially down the seam. I think that he caught several long passes over the middle. There was one at the end of that Tennessee game that he caught on the last drive. It leads to the third-to-last play. And he he's really able to find a lot of space. He's a mismatch for a lot of linebackers because he's faster. He actually ran a 4-5 I believe four, five, seven. Like it, that's basically like Delaney Walker speed. So he's kind of filling that same sort of role, like with Swiss Swiss Army knife type of role for the 49ers. There, I, I expect them to kind of line him up in different places, like maybe in, as an H back or just as a receiver, or obviously in, in the traditional tight end position. But when you have a guy like that who's talented and multi dimensional, it adds to your scheme so much more. And I think that next year you're going to see him lining up in different places. But the production that he's had. I, Al, I couldn't be happier with it. I, I feel like you'll see more of uh, a presence from George Kittle in the red zone next year. I feel like they're going to design more plays specifically for him because, let's be honest, we didn't really know what, what we were getting with George Kittle before the season started. They didn't know whether this guy was a reliable pass catcher or, or a good route runner or a guy that they could really count on. And as the season wore on, you could kind of see him kind of coming into his own. So you'll see more of things shift towards him schematically next year. Whereas like this year, he was kind of just running like the default plays for just like tight end X. I think that once you can take advantage of a player's scheme or his, his strengths within the scheme, they, they can kind of take that next step. And I, and I really feel like next year, George Kittle and, and even like guys like Trent Taylor as well, you'll see some of these guys, some of these rookies that came on, Matt Breda as well. Kyle Shanahan really schemed towards their strengths and, and they'll be able to take that next step and we'll be able to see what they can actually do in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Yeah, look, Taylor had a great year too for a rookie receiver fifth rounder and, and that's another mm-hmm. position where it's it's 
it's hard to put up production as a rookie receiver. And, and look at some of these first round picks that came in this year. A lot of them didn't really do anything. And here you have Trent Taylor, who he and George Kittle tied for seventh in rookie receptions at, at 43, mm-hmm. I believe it was. So an, another guy who first impressions look like really good. And again, I don't think one of these guys is going to be stars, but they're certainly going to be serviceable role players on this team. And another guy who really came along towards the end was Kyle Juszczyk. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that had to do, obviously, with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, in the final five games of the season, which Garoppolo started, Juszczyk actually averaged about three and a half catches and 39 yards a game, which was up from under two catches. It was 1.8 and 13 yards a game in, in the pre-Garoppolo games. So if you look at Juszczyk's numbers projected over a full season with Garoppolo, he would have 54 catches for 624 yards, which is about what we figured he would do, right? We, that's kind of right. what, what we said when he and I talked this offseason. Like, well, what do you think he's going to do? We, we kind of figured, right? Maybe 50th mm-hmm. catches, 600 yards. So it looks like that's where he's headed. Yeah, Juszczyk, he was an interesting guy. You and I were both kind of questioning his his play and everything at the at, earlier on in the season and what role he was supposed to fill. And he wasn't really getting very many snaps at all either. But now like you see him... It seems like every game he's catching a ball up the sideline and and making a defender miss or or like he's like Jimmy Garoppolo's safety outlet uh, underneath and he's catching underneath passes, uh, moving the chains and and obviously do he's he's made the Pro Bowl as a fullback but I feel like he was more than just a blocker. Um, I feel like he's one of those guys like like we just talked about George Kittle where he's a, he's a multi talented multi faceted sort of player. And nobody really knew how he would fit into the scheme until they actually got like uh, until they actually got a franchise quarterback throwing to him. And I think that you'll see more from Kyle Juszczyk as well. Like it's just like the, this offense, Alec. We we probably saw maybe forty percent of what this offense can be. Like Kyle Shanahan was having to recycle plays and recycle formations mm-hmm. and things like that. And as a fan, when you can see that, obviously other opposing teams and defenses will see that as well. So I'm really excited to see guys like Kyle Juszczyk next year, how he's going to use him. Again, a guy like Kittle who can line up out wide, which is where he caught where he caught a few long passes this year. He can line up in the slot as well, going underneath. He can line up out of the backfield. Obviously, he's a fullback. He can line up on the line as blocking tight end as well. Like he's, he's one of those versatile sort, of, versatile sort of Swiss Army knife players. And I think that heading into free agency, you're going to see more of those players coming to the 49ers. It's not just going to be like a one-dimensional thing. Like heck, even Marquise Goodwin was running routes over the middle. Even he was running mm-hmm. slant patterns. He was he was running short possession receiver type patterns. And I realized that some of that was because of necessity, because Pierre Garcon was out. But even he was able to add that to his game, and he almost got a thousand yards out of it. And if I'm a free agent skill player, and I look at what the 49ers did in the last five weeks, I want to come to this team. And here's why: you look at the offensive yards per game. They went from 21st in the NFL. Um, weeks 13 through 17, they were third, 410 yards a game. Passing yards, uh, weeks 13 through 17, 297, third in the league. Uh, passing yards per attempt, 8.44, first in the league. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had the highest total QBR in, in the NFL. First downs, they were second in the NFL, 23.4 a game. Third down conversion. How long have we been seeing this team struggle on third down? It's been a mm-hmm. decade. They were third in the NFL with Garoppolo at 50%. Uh, time of possession, again, a huge issue. Before Garoppolo started, they were 31st in the league. After he came in and was the starter, they were third in the league in time of possession. Amazing, amazing turnaround. And again, he's doing this with no disrespect to them, but Marquise Goodwin, who who had just been a role player up, in, up until this year, 
Taylor and Kittle, who are who are rookies. He's doing this with Eldrick Robinson and Lewis Murphy, guys who you know who, who are basically role role players or cast offs or off the street. Kendrick Bourne, who's an undrafted free agent, Garrett Selleck, who who was a nice player, but he wasn't a prolific receiving tight end by any stretch of the imagination. So he's doing this with guys who aren't household names. So you think if you're if you're a free agent receiver or a free agent tight end and, and you're looking to come to a team, the Niners have to look at like such a good destination right now. I agree. I, this team, the the buzz around this team, like the for those of you that aren't on this 49ers bandwagon, you better jump on quick. Because this team, this team next year is gonna be one of like it's gonna be a really, really sexy pick for a lot of people to 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 make the playoffs and win the division because you're talking about a team that has their franchise quarterback in place. Uh, you're talking about a team that has, in my opinion, the best offensive mind in the NFL, a team that has a ton of cap room, an up-and-coming defense, one of the young defensive stars in Ruben Foster. So you're talking about a team that has a ton of upside, a ton of cap room, an offense that, that moves the ball, a quarterback that can get you the ball. Like Specifically, like you said, offensive skill players, they're going to they're gonna be salivating at that thought. The 49ers have everything an offensive skill player wants. Uh, the weather as well, like you're not going to be playing in freezing cold temperatures. So all of those things add up to a, a, a favorable destination for free agents. And Steve Young was on the radio today, actually, on my way home, I was listening to him. And he was saying the same thing, that people are going to remember the last five games of the season. They're not going to remember one in 10 before that. Right. They're going to remember after Jimmy Garoppolo got here, because that's what they're going to be working with next year. They're not going to be work- working with CJ Beathard or Brian Hoyer. Obviously, he's not on the team anymore. They're going to be working with more likely the, the type of roster and the type of scheme, the type of play calling that we saw in the last five games. And that buzz and that momentum and all of that will carry over to, to free agency. It'll carry over to training camp. It'll car- carry over to next season. All of those things. Al, winning fixes everything. And when you, the 49ers were the only team in the NFL to go undefeated in, in the month of December. So that's what people are going to remember. And that's what impending free agents and agents, player agents are going are gonna to look to in terms of the next destination. Because let's be honest, what other teams have the most cap room? We're talking about Cleveland. We're talking about the New York Giants. We're talking about rebuilding teams that aren't going to be near contention, that have their quarterback situation or roster in flux. This is a building team here in San Francisco. It's, it's a team that, that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the, franchise, the face of the franchise of. So that whole mix of things, in my opinion, I'm with you. Like, I, I think that it's going to make San Francisco the most popular free agent destination. We talked a lot about the offense and, and looking back on the defense, they have some serious cornerstone pieces here. And two that I want to mention are Ruben Foster and DeForest Buckner. And our friends over at Pro Football Focus ranked Ruben Foster at a 90.7 and DeForest Buckner at a 90.4. These are elite levels. And these guys played at an elite level this year. And now, you know, obviously you need foster to stay healthy and hopefully make you know maybe puts on some weight this offseason or because you know he was down once a game this year so you got to hope that he stays healthy but these are two elite cornerstone pieces and then look you have other really good players here Achilleo witherspoon graded out over an 80 adrian colbert graded out at a 77 which you know which is which is very good for a rookie kwan williams graded out at an 80 jukowski tart graded out at an 85 there's some really good players on this defense solomon thomas is getting better Eric Armstead for as much crap as he takes. And yeah, he hasn't been the first round stud pick that you want him to be, but he's still a pretty good player. He's still good against the run. He's still going to help there. Um, Sheldon Day, there's just there's just good players everywhere. Malcolm Smith will be back next year and we'll, we'll see how he does. And obviously they have to add the edge rusher. 
they have to add probably another two cornerbacks. They need not only need another cornerback on the outside, but they need depth there. Always possible that Jimmy Ward can move back, but this defense is also close to being really good. And again, if I'm a free agent defender and I look at this defense and say, okay, they're one or two players away. If I'm Ziggy Ansah or, or Lawrence from the Cowboys, I look at the Niners and say, I can go there and all of a sudden we could be really good. And with Jimmy G on offense, we could be a Super Bowl team. They're one or two players away on each side of the ball from being a 12, 13 win team. I, I really believe that. And I, I, they got to fix the inside of the offensive line too. Um, but they really are now. Now it's not where you're adding pieces to be competitive. Now what you want to add pieces to make a run at the playoffs and maybe the Super Bowl. And you do still have to build for the future. I'm not saying sign a bunch of vets and get all, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But you can build for the future and bring in a few vets here and there to help you compete next year. Maybe Jimmy Graham on a one or two year deal. I'm just saying, just throwing that name out there. Stuff like that where you bring in an older guy to help with the younger guys where you're still building the core in the future but the vets are there to kind of help with, with the short-term run as well. The window's open. The window's officially open for yep. Super Bowl yep. contention. Like, I'm not saying, and I, and I want to I wanna give this disclaimer, the 49ers are not a Super Bowl contender right now. I'm saying that the window to build a Super Bowl contender is open. It's and a big off-season. It's a big off-season. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge off-season. And last year, we, we did our first show or second show. We were talking about the signing of Earl Mitchell. And that was the very first signing that John Lynch had after he became GM. And it was kind of like an under-the-radar signing. But if you look at what Earl Mitchell did this year, he was one of the better interior run defenders in the entire league. The 49ers were top 10 in yards per carry allowed uh, on defense. So despite the fact that you look at the, the total yards allowed, and, and it seems like it's a lot, but in terms of that's because teams were trying to run the ball a lot on the 49ers, and they were not very successful. They were uh, averaging under four yards per carry allowed, which is, which is great. So these, these types of under-the-radar signings that, that, that they made this year, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, we, we don't know what Malcolm Smith is going to bring because he got hurt. But Brock Coyle stepped, stepped in there, and he became a starting middle linebacker. They gave him the green dot on defense, and he was calling all the plays. And he was just supposed to be a special teams guy. He stepped in there, and, and he, had his, he took his lumps, but he's never, he's never played that much before. He's, he's always been as, just as strictly a special teams guy. So. To have him come in and start, I mean, he did a great job. Like you said, Adrian Colbert, a guy, a, a seventh round rookie who who we had on our show and, and who I had high hopes for at the beginning of the season because I'm like, you know, the U they just produce a ton of really good defensive backs, but I never thought that he would be this good. He's going to be a starter next year. They're going to move. They're most likely going to move Jimmy Ward back to corner. Akella Weatherspoon, who was inactive for most of the season, like he he wasn't expected to contribute at all. He was he was not even in uniform for part of the season. And when he, when he came in there, he had several passes defense. He played really well uh, against DeAndre Hopkins. He held his own. He had an interception against Jacksonville. Like he, he was really good when he, when he had the chance. And obviously, Ruben Foster, who was my favorite, arguably uh, next to Jimmy G, was my favorite 49er. Like the guy just brings it every single down. He only knows one speed. And he's going to be the centerpiece of that defense for the next 10 years. That guy is, is, is just the real deal. I, I feel like they will have to target a pass rusher for sure. I don't think Aaron Lynch is going to be back with the team next year. Elvis Dumerville is, is no kind way. of a situational yeah. guy. And uh, yeah. he, he did lead the team in sacks. Elvis Dumerville did, but he's just like a situational guy. And I, I, Al, I just, this team, like I can't say enough about the job that John Lynch, Kyle Shannon and Adam Peters, Martin Mayhew, that they've done with scouting talent and just making, making this team a destination again. 
after three years of basically being in NFL purgatory. And we're talking about how big this offseason is and, and the reason why we have so much confidence in, in Lynch and Adam Peters and Kyle Shanahan to hit home run this offseason is, is look at what they did last offseason. Their draft, they got six starters in that draft. Mm-hmm. Reuben Foster, Solomon Thomas, Witherspoon, Kittle, Taylor, Colbert. Six starters mm-hmm. that are probably, that are going to, it's not like they started this year because they don't have anybody else and they're not going to start next year. Those guys are going to start next year too. They gave up a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo for franchise quarterback. They gave up a second round pick. They found gems in free agency. Marquise Goodwin was a gem for yep. two years, four million. He gained, he weighed a thousand yards if he didn't get hurt in that last game. You know, Quan Williams, that's that's a gem in free agency. Pierre Garcon was it was a good signing. Use check looks like it's gonna end up being a good signing. Dude, that's not real life. That's mad in franchise mode. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have a draft and bring in six starters right away. They, they did a phenomenal job. Now, we have to see what happens What happens this year. I mean, Trent Balky had a good first draft, too, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not comparing right. the two, but it mean you, you have to stay consistent with it. So, But I have every bit of confidence in, in them that they're going to do that. And I don't remember the last time I was this excited for an offseason because – this offseason for the Niners is sort of like what the Rams offseason was last year, where the Rams brought in Watkins and, and Robert Woods and in the tackle. I think Whitworth, Whitworth is his name, I think. Um, yeah, Whitworth. And, and brought in guys. Yeah, they kind, of, they kind of brought them to that next level. Well, that's what the Niners have to do this year. So I, I'm on pins and needles to see what their approach is going to be and who they're going to go after in free agency because they're going to be aggressive. I don't know that they're going to hand out that big contract. You know what I mean? Like that huge... Mm-hmm. $80 million contract. I don't know if they're going to do that, but they're going to be aggressive bringing guys in that they want in the draft. And, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into, it's a long off season. Um, we'll get into, you know, who we think the guys are going to go after um, in free agency and what we think of the draft and that sort of thing. But I, I can't wait. I just, I can't wait to see what the plan is because this off season is, is really going to determine where they're headed. I think for the next four or five years. They've got all the tools to to rebuild this team and make them a contender again. They've got cap room. They've got draft picks. They've got a franchise quarterback. They've got uh, a really solid coaching staff. They've got a young defense that's very hungry and fast and physical. And they've got really good scouting with Adam Peters. So they, they've got everything that they need to, to build up this team. Now, I kind of want to talk about what's happened in this past season. Like, I want to take a step back and and... See where the 49ers have come from. We we all know that the expectations weren't very high. Brian Hoyer started the season at quarterback, and he was just supposed to be a placeholder. He wasn't supposed to be the franchise guy. Then Hoyer gets hurt, and C.J. Beathard comes in and and plays pretty decently, and then eventually Hoyer gets benched, and Beathard comes in, and, and, he, and he looked like he was a pretty serviceable player for a little bit like the 49ers had that record streak of games where they lost five games by less than by less than a touchdown by total 13 points and even if two of those games go the other way Al it's a, it's an 8-8 eight eight season so mm-hmm. yep. we, we're looking at a team that was 0-9 and, and and we were talking about 0-16 at one point and then that we were yeah where are the wins going to come from we said yep exactly we went we went game by game and we didn't know where the wins would come from we were talking about maybe a one or two win season and now all of a sudden they made the trade for Garoppolo. And uh, after that, that Seattle game where Garoppolo came in, it, everything just changed, didn't it? Yeah, the whole vibe around the team changed. And 
and he changed the team. Can't can't say that enough. And you know, even the defense played better when he was in there. But the reason the defense did is because listen, the defense wasn't playing bad before. The defense just got to the point where they were on the field too much every game. And in the second half, they they just couldn't keep up anymore. And, and how many times did you see it where at halftime the Niners were down ten to three or something along those lines? And then you get in the third quarter and the offense can't move the ball and the defense is on the field. And before you know it, it's it's twenty seven to ten or, or twenty to three. That's what happened this season. And, and when Garoppolo came in, he he completely changed the vibe of that and and changed the vibe of, of the team. So definitely going to be really exciting. We read those offensive stats. That stuff just doesn't happen at all. That kind of turnaround. And I, I think it was a team that started one and nine or zero and nine or whatever it was. I, I don't believe any team won more than three games. The Niners yep. won six. So yep. it's pretty good, man. And and, and they're five and zero with Garoppolo. They're five and zero since the El Sacco rant, which which again I think was <laughs> you know at least twenty twenty percent of all this. So oh of course yeah we're gonna Absolutely. have yeah. yeah it's gotta be yeah I mean they owe me at least a little yeah. credit for, for that <laughs> to get going. Um, but you know the shows that we're gonna offer up this we're Jane and I really excited we we're talking about this before we came on these off season shows and we're not gonna be on every week like we normally are. We will be if you know big things are like free agency. We'll we'll have a show as much as we need to around the Super Bowl, that sort of thing. The draft will be on more. We'll probably be on. I don't know. Maybe like every other week or so, Zane. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But we yeah. got a lot of great stuff. We're going to talk. We're going to do free agency shows. We're going to talk about free agents we want to see the team get. We're going to do mock drafts, and we're going to continue with uh, have a lot of great guests on. Like I said, we're developing a lot of good relationships um, with the NFL Network and in the 49ers themselves. So we're, we're excited about the guests we're going to have on and we're excited about what we can bring to you guys this off season. Yeah. It's, it's an exciting time. I, we've been doing this for almost 12 months now and we, we, uh, we've been able to get to so many people that, that I would have never dreamed that we'd be able to talk to like media Mm -hmm. personalities and, and players and people associated with the team. And it's just, it's just been so much fun. And, uh, I can't, I can't thank the the fans enough for the support and all the people on Twitter following us. Like, I can't think, and, uh, I can't thank you enough for supporting us. Like I had, z- I had zero Twitter followers, Al, <laughs> at the beginning of last year. I have almost a <laughs> thousand now. Thanks to like, thanks to you and like, you know, WebZone for promoting that. And it's been so much fun and I can't, I, I can't wait to see what the future holds for us. Yeah, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a fun off season, and you know we said we can't wait to share it with you guys. Um, we will be back soon, very soon, uh, with another show, and we're gonna do year in review. Like I said, a lot of good stuff planned. So, looking forward to that. And we want to thank Kyle Brandt for coming on the show. Um, great interview with him, and for Zane Nakvi, this is Al Sacco. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.